0: Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to another episode of our podcast Dean Thoughts. Today it's going to be a little bit of a different episode so I want to talk mainly to my sisters but only also to all the boy listeners that we have out there about hijab. Today's episode is just going to be me. I'm not joined by Adam or anyone else because I kind of want to make it more of like a heart-to-heart kind of like sister to sister and like i said i hope that this is inshallah still beneficial to any boy listeners that we have out there if you might have a sibling if you might have um, a mother an aunt or anyone who might be thinking about wearing the hijab or um, who is wearing it then you can also take in some concepts that might be beneficial um with that relationship as well so this is going to be a lot of information kind of but i want to start with the quran so In Surah Al-Ahzab, and there's more than one verse in the Quran that talks about hijab. So we know the word hijab, by the way, isn't like physically mentioned in the Quran. And this is an argument that a lot of people bring to explain why we don't have to wear the hijab. Or like people who are not Muslim, they try to argue that we don't have to wear the hijab because the word hijab physically is not put into the Quran. But hijab is just a way of saying it. Hijab mainly refers to the head scarf, but when Allah's Taala explains it in the Quran, He is mainly talking about like um, everything. So just like your whole clothing, your whole modest clothing. So one ayah that I want to look at, and Inshallah, I will um, tell you guys the other ayah that it's mentioned in as well if you guys want to look those up on your by yourselves. But this is the one that I really want to focus on. So in it's Surah al ahzab verse um, fifty nine where Allah Subhanahu Wa ta'ala says ba'da من so Allah wa Ta'ala is here telling the prophet ya Tell your wives and your daughters and the women of all of the believers. This is referring to that they should take their garments and cover themselves. So at the time of the Prophet Muhammad, the woman generally used to wear hijab. So everything was covered except for just their chests. And we see this in another area that's mentioned in Surah Al-Nur, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling them to take their jalabi جل, bihinna, which is basically like their garment, and to cover their chest. And that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is here telling the Prophet. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, tells, he, he explains why. And this is the part that I want to focus on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's saying, this is better for them so that they may be known and they will not be hurt. So what does this mean first part so that they may be known we have to understand every single girl that wears the hijab should understand the honor and the iza that comes with wearing it because when you're walking outside every single person that sees you knows that you're a muslim knows that you are a symbol and a representation of the Deen of islam now they say with great power comes great responsibility when you are wearing the hijab, when you are now a symbol, a walking symbol of Islam, people who are not Muslim mean are going to look at your character. They're going to look at the way that you act with people, the way that you carry yourself. And if they don't know any other mean, they might there you might be their only source of deen. Yani when they look at you and this is what they see... They so it's it's like you just have to be cautious the way that you interact in public to have a correct image of Islam but this is an honor by the way that you are literally able to walk and people to know that you are Muslim and for the men that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells them to grow out their beards it's kind of a, a form of differentiation and that's what in Islam like because that's like what differentiates and that's the symbol for the men as well and then the second part Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says "Fala yuzain," so that they are not harmed so that they are not abused so that they are not ridiculed let me tell you guys i'm taking a gender studies class and wallah i think this was one of the best decisions of my life let me tell you guys so i'm doing a 10 page research paper and inshallah when i finish it i will post it on our website by the way if you guys didn't know uh we created a website just so we can post like um, documents or like files that we want to share with you guys because I, I couldn't figure out any other way to share it with everyone um, and make it accessible to everyone so that's mainly the only reason why we created it but we will there's also especially now during the month of Ramadan we have some other videos linked in case you guys want other things to listen to or to watch um, as well during the month of Ramadan but I will link the paper inshallah when I'm done with it but let me tell you guys this there's this concept in the field of gender studies So we know in the early 1900s, when you look at American culture, I'm not talking to you about Islamic culture, because Alhamdulillah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala purified our religion in a way that makes it perfect. I'm looking first at American culture. In American culture, in the 1900s, it was this typical American stereotype household. The, The man would go out, he would work, he would drink, and do whatever he want, no questions asked. And he would come home, and he would expect food on the table, the kids to be fed and cleaned and yani basically it was that typical mom in the house taking care of the kids man outside if a woman spoke her opinion against her man or a woman said something started an argument she would be deemed less of a woman she's not she's not doing anything right yani she's wrong she would always be in the wrong she was never able to voice out her opinion or anything then world war 2 happened so all the men got sent away for war So what did the women have to do? They had to go out and they had to find work to take care of their children. Now, when the men came back from the war and they saw that all of these women now actually had jobs, what does that come with? Like we said, with more power comes more responsibility. They had more responsibility. They had more power. They now had a source of income. So they started standing up to their men. They started getting a voice in the household. So men needed to find another way to kind of limit the power of women they had it in check from before but when they went to the war everything got ruined. So, what did the men create? And this is what my research paper is on. Activists uh, t- like who study gender studies and like basically those like big shot um gender studies people, they argue that men created something called the male gaze. So, the male gaze when you search it up on Google, it basically just refers to this concept that everything in media, everything in TV shows, advertisements, the directed audience is men so and i don't encourage this because this is so haram and we have to do al which is to lower our gaze but when you look online if like even if you're driving sometimes and it just pops up on you i will guarantee you there's not a single advertisement out there does not that does not sexually objectify women women have been when oh my god like it's just it's disgusting guys trust me and when i tell you it's disgusting the way that these women are portrayed we even see it in tv shows in movies Women are seen as sex objects and nothing more. That is what they're here for, to just hit and use for the pleasure of men. And Allah subhanahu wa Ta-A'la, he knew that. Because Allah Subhanahu wa Ta-A'la, He says in the Quran, لَهُ al Amr. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says, Do I not am I not the one who creates and then has the power to set legislation? Allah subhanahu wa Ta-A'la knew that He created men in a way where they are very sexually um they are like they're very sexually Like, I guess, oriented in a visual manner. So, anything that they see right away turns them on. For women, it's different. So, what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say to the men? He told the men to lower their gaze. And that is an ayah that's actually in Surah Al-Nur, ayah verse 30. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He tells the believing men to lower their gaze. And right after, He tells the believing women to guard their private parts and basically to wear the hijab. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said... Rules not only for women for men. He told men to lower their gaze, and if for any reason they had to look up or they had to see something, the women should be dressed in a way that is revealing, not revealing, and is covering their beauty, so that men and women there's no this uh, there's no other. The statistics. Let me tell you guys some statistics. In um UNICEF and NAAD, I think some of you guys might have heard me t- say this before. They were looking at eating disorders and women that had eating disorders. There is a person who dies from an eating disorder every single 52 minutes. I right now, I don't know how long this episode is going to be, but after 52 minutes, someone is going to have died from an eating disorder. So this kind of goes back to the concept that these men created the male gaze in order to create this competition between women, to create this false notion of beauty so that women will do anything. They will diet. They will go to these extremes with eating disorders. They will go to these extremes with plastic surgery in order to obtain this unobtainable, naturally unobtainable physique in order to meet the pleasure and the want of men is this really what women want? is this really like you want to live a life basically doing doing goading extremes to the point where you hate yourself 24 7 because you're not having any self confidence you're not having any self esteem just to look a certain way which men in the society have deemed to be normalized that is the normalized form of beauty and so the concept is that men created this thing called the male gaze in order to kind of keep the woman's power in check because we see this a lot you know my sisters out there you know what I'm talking about like women the power between women is crazy like women can make other women hate each other women can make other women turn against each other and a lot of it stems from the way that people look we have, why is it that women have self-esteem issues and men, you there are men that do, but why is it that women have more self-esteem issues than men? Why is it that the diet culture is mainly related towards women? Why is it that women mainly have eating disorders? This is the power of the male gaze, that they created this notion to make women basically so obsessed with the way that they physically look, that they don't have time to worry about their intellect. They don't have time to do anything successful in this world. And I want to tell you guys a story, and it's so sad. And we can't make dua for people who died that are not mis- mean, But I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from all of this. There was a former Miss USA model. Her name was um, Chelsea Kristen or something like that. She actually committed suicide like two months ago. And the reason that she committed suicide was because she turned 30. She turned 30 years old and she decided that she had no more worth in the eyes of society. She literally said that there was an interview where she said that her turning thirty makes herself just on like mix with with like society. It just makes her feel like she has nothing left to offer in the world. She was pretty, by the way. She is very pretty, but she committed suicide. Do you know what else she had though? She had. She was an attorney. A criminal justice attorney. She was helping the lives of so many people. People who were wrongfully convicted. People in minorities who had no right at trial. She was making a difference in this world. But society had deemed her worth zero. Why? Because of her beauty. Because she was getting old. Because she was turning 30. Habibti, 30 is nothing. She was still so flawless. Okay? But this is the fact. This is what our society has done. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in the Quran, all of these concepts that I just mentioned, plus more, where we could sit down and have hours on ends of talking about this. This is what Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala wanted, because Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala knew. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala knows everything. He knows what we don't even know. But Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala knew that our society was gonna be set up in this way. How many times, to all my girls out there, whether you wear the hijab or not, have you looked in the mirror and saw something in your face and your body that you wanted to change? Because of the society that we're in, we're deemed to to think like that. Like, I'm not perfect. I'll never be perfect. I don't fit into this concept of beauty. And so when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's telling us to all cover, it's so, to protect us from this. To protect us from these objectifying views of men, these sexualized views of men. (laughs) Hadn't sex sells? Literally sex sells right now. Like, if you go out, that's what people are using. That's what companies are using. And it's diminishing the woman her value, making her just an object for men. There was a video that was actually done by a famous actor, uh, Terry Crews, and he was talking about his time, like, when he used to go to strip clubs. Now, this is like, he, he nothing is shown in the video, it's just him sharing his experience, but basically what he was saying is that when he used to go to the strip clubs, he would, when the woman would come to him and try to talk to him, he would tell them, stop, don't talk to me. And he was explaining in the interview that the reason why I don't want them to talk to me is because when they start telling me their life story, I start to see them as human. So he's like, when they're not telling me their life story, I just see them as an object. There was another study that was conducted where men were shown a woman and men were shown a piece of meat and the same part of their brain lit up. Let that register, guys. Let that register for a second. When a man looked at the woman and he looked at the meat, the same part of his brain lit up. That is what our society has created. That is the power of the male gaze. It's the fact that when, men looks at, when a man looks at a woman, he sees her as an object. Now, if you see something as an object, are you going to take care of it? Are you going to give it rights? Are you going to care for it? Do you guys know where feminism stemmed from? And we talked about this, I think, a little bit before with the episode that I did with Farah. But feminism came because women had no rights. I'm not talking about Islam, because at the time of feminism, before feminism, Islam was giving women their rights. Islam never took away women's rights. It was the first religion that gave women the power to own land. The first religion that gave women the power to own their wealth. A lot of rights were given to women in Islam before any other religion. But men at the time actually thought women were devils. They had no souls. That's why women had to turn to feminism. And we've talked about this before. But this is the concept that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew that all of this would just cause so much adha. I want to turn to another point. If, you have, if you're in college right now or you're at school and you do good on a test and your friend is sitting next to you and your friend looks to you and you're like, oh my God, good job, you did such a good job. they like, oh, thank you. But then if after class the professor or the teacher calls you forward and they're like, you did a really good job. Which which person is going to impact you more? I think everyone would say that generally, even though their friend's compliment is very nice, the compliment from the teacher or the professor was very more impactful. Why? Because the professor aces this stuff. The professor knows this. They are the ones that created this exam. The same concept. Allah subhanahu wa taala He tells us in the Quran that, that we created man, man as in our, the the insan, the human, in the best form possible. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling you, all my sisters out there, all my brothers out there, that you were created in the best form. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who by the way, his beauty is so much that we have to be recreated on the day of judgment in a different way just to be able to comprehend how beautiful he is. Right now, our minds would not be able to comprehend. Even the Rasul when he went up to Al-Isra al-Ma'raj, he couldn't physically see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah did not reveal himself. He still had that cloak, his, his, uh, his, his hijab, quote-unquote, of light, which is his hijab. It protects him because it would be too much for the Rasul. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who created everything that you see in this world that's beautiful, when you look at the, the oceans and the skies and the different colors of birds and everything, you think it's beautiful. Imagine Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how beautiful it is, how beautiful Jannah is going to be. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who created this thing that we call beauty is telling you you're beautiful. He's telling you, I created you in the best way. Nothing about you is imperfect. Nothing about you needs to be changed. And that goes back to the main concept why we have to wear the hijab. It's not because I'm showing you all of these statistics or because I'm showing you all of the pain and the suffering that comes from the objectification of women. It's not that. It's just because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his majesty and in his power told you to wear it. And we know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he tells us in the Quran, Khayrun Lakum, That sometimes you might hate something, but deep down it's actually really good for you. And some people might not like the hijab. Some people might like it. But there's this concept that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to do something, we should be wa Al not we hear and we obey, not we hear and we disobey and we're gonna why بعرفشو, how come sometimes we don't know, but honestly we do know because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says thing so that they don't embody any harm. And wallahi, this is a form of protection from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew that there is going to be such disgusting men in this world who are going to see you not for your true worth. So he's telling you, cover. And then who does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell you to uncover to? And we see this in Surah Al-Nisa where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he explains, to uncover to anyone who is basically your mahram, your siblings, your parents, um, your uncles, your grandpa, your grandpa, um, and then inshallah in the future, your husband. And wallahi, this is probably the most influential thing for me when I wore the hijab, aside from the fact of the great virtue that comes with it. But when you truly see the great amount of respect and the great amount of connection that's going to come with you, when you are literally wearing your hijab, you are basically telling the whole world that my beauty is not for you to see, it's for the people who truly care about me, it's for my parents. It's for my siblings. It's for my uncles. Because they know my worth. And that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling you, My sister, you are too beautiful. Your beauty is perfect. Nothing about your beauty needs to be changed. So because of that beauty, people won't understand it. Cover it. And show it. Restrict it to only people who can see it. They say that women that wear the hijab is oppressed. And I laugh at people that say that. Because I don't think wearing the hijab is an oppression. Bil'akis, I think that the woman who's walking down the street half naked, she's oppressed. I'll tell you why. She has been deemed by the eyes of society that if she does not wear, go out basically wearing underwear and a bra, she's not beautiful. If she doesn't go out selling herself to men, she won't have a relationship. Islam does not tell you to do that. Islam tells you, my sister, you are so beautiful, you choose who to show your beauty to. This girl that's walking down the street and all of her body's showing, does she have any control over her beauty anymore? No. She might find a guy who respects her, who knows her worth, but how many guys is she going to encounter who don't know her worth, who are going to abuse her, misuse her, sex trafficking, all of that stuff. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling you, you have this power, you have this power to control your beauty, to control who sees it, who's worthy of seeing it, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told you, that you are too beautiful, so show this beauty to who it needs, to show this beauty to who was deserves it and understands the worth of it. And we see that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, He tells us in the story of Adam, when Adam, when Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala created Adam and Hawa, and He put them in Jannah, they were covered with clothing from Jannah. When they ate from the tree, after Shaitan had come and tricked them, and they ate in, from the tree their clothing fell off. So they had to get like they had to cover themselves from Warak al Jannah from the from the leaves of the trees in Jannah. And this is a concept that they share that the more Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves you, the more that He encourages you to cover. Because there's this concept that our honor comes with covering. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He mentions in the Quran wa laqad bani adam and that we have Honored Bani Adam, human, what other creation wears clothes? Do animals wear clothes? No, their body parts, their private parts are out to show. And that's the concept, that's what we understand from this, that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la sent us libas, sent us clothing to cover ourselves and to honor ourselves. And for the woman, the more she's clothed, the more honorable she is in the sight of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la. And modesty is way more than just wearing hijab modesty is the way that you carry yourself it's the way that you interact with people you're not going out there wearing the hijab and like flirting or you're not going out there wearing the hijab and you know acting in a way to grab people's attention that's not that's not the concept hijab is just a thing that you wear but what comes with the hijab why allah subhanahu wa taala legislated the hijab is to attain haya haya is a word that is Untranslatable in the English language Even though a lot of people translate it to modesty It is so much more than modesty Haya is this concept That you have this understanding That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is watching you 24-7 And because of that you perfect yourself You perfect your character You perfect your, your, the way that you dress yourself The way that you interact with people And the Rasul sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, He said that haya is iman That haya and faith They are intertwined and if Hayat leaves Iman leaves so a person who lacks this this characteristic of hayat this characteristic of shyness and modesty shyness and modesty is is like how do you say it's applauded in our religion in in culture in like in heteronormal culture being a modest or shy girl it's generally looked down upon why going back to the whole notion of the female gaze and like this concept of the objectification of women but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the, we know from the Rasul that hayat and modesty is iman it comes with iman and when hayat leaves, your faith leaves as well so this is the concept and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there's another hadith where the Rasul he mentions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is hayy as satir. he is shy, this, this word of hayat, which I'm just going to use the word shy right now and as satir, the covering there was a story where one time the Prophet Muhammad, there was a companion who was basically using the bathroom. And he was using the bathroom like in front of everyone. So his, his private parts were all shown. So instead of the Prophet Muhammad like yelling at him, because we know the Rasulallahu sall he says that he was sent as a mercy to all mankind human, animals, everything, all creation the way that he told him, he just told him this hadith, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-hayyi as Satir. So this concept that, this man, who's like, this man who's basically like, showing all of his private parts, when when the Prophet Muhammad told him that Allah is, is he has this, this virtue of hayat, it's like, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has haya, don't you have to also have hayat? And so then, you know, like, it's kind of just an encouragement. So, I can't underestimate the the power that comes with wearing the hijab. Not the power, but like the strength that it takes to wear it. And for all of my sisters out there that already wear it, I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep us firm and to help us perfect our hijab and to get it to the point where we're supposed to wear it, inshallah. But for all my sisters that don't wear it and that want to wear it or that this kind of sparked a little interest in their heart, I will tell you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like I said, it's enough that He told you to wear it. He didn't have to tell you why. He didn't have to show you examples in the society that show you why or encourage you to wear it. Just the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us to wear it is, that, is reason enough for us to wear it. But I understand the struggle that comes with it. But what more time better than the month of Ramadan? The month where your dua, when you're fasting, is accepted. The month where the third of the night, we know outside of Ramadan as well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends to the last to the lowest heaven. And he asks all of the inhabitants of the earth if there's anyone that is asking for my forgiveness that I may forgive them. And if there's anyone that is asking for my for something that I may give it to them. What better time than during the month of Ramadan to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you the strength and the ability to wear the hijab. What better time? What better time to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive you for not wearing it. Because we know and it's scary but for all my sisters out there that don't wear it. Every single time you leave the house and a man looks at you, he looks at your hair, and he looks at your beauty, you get a sayi'ah. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told you to cover it. And that's scary. I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm just trying to say the truth, to come with the truth and the whole evidence. Trust me, like I said, I understand the struggle that comes with it. But it's important. It's a concept that we need to understand. So what better time to make the change than the month of Ramadan? And trust me, a lot of people have this notion that if I wear the hijab, and I know that this isn't a reason why women don't, like, for us, inshallah, why we don't wear it, but there's this fear always that, oh, well, men won't want me anymore. Trust me. When we look at the story of of Prophet Musa, and so we know Prophet Musa, he was um with his people, and there was a story where he was accidentally trying to mitigate an argument that was taking place between two people, and when he was pushing them off of each other, he accidentally killed one of them. This was by accident. So he got a message from someone else in the in the village that the king was going to come and kill him, that they were after him. So he fled the country. And I don't remember exactly where he was. But when he fled, he had nothing. He had no wealth, no no nothing. He came across a group of people who were feeding their cattle, and he saw two girls in the back waiting. So he went and asked them, what's wrong? Why are you guys waiting? They told him that our our dad, he's old, and we don't have any brothers, so we have to feed our cattle, but we can't we don't have the strength to go and feed them with all of these men crowding the well and the, the water source, so we have to wait till they're done. So Sayyid said, he took their cattle and he went and he he fed their cattle for them. And he gave he came back and he gave them their cattle and he went on his way. Right as he was going on his way, the, one of the daughters came back running to him. So one of the women that he had helped. And he said that, My dad, he's asking for you. And we know that his, the, the dad asked Sayyidina Musa to marry one of his daughters and to stay working for him. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran the description of how the woman came to Sayyidina Musa, I don't know the verse exactly, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says something along the lines that she came with shyness she came with haya with modesty this is an honorable woman we know Sayyidina sayyidna maryam her when she was in al mahram when she used to be covered in in private she also embodied this 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 characteristic of haya all of the wives of the prophet Sayyidina aisha when Allah when Rasulullah rasul he told her that on the day of judgment everyone will be re- resurrected bare um, like no clothes, uh, like barefooted, uncircumcised, she told him, oh Rasulullah, like won't people be looking at us? We're all like not going to be wearing anything. We're going to be no clothing. And he said that the, the power and the fear of that day would be so great that people won't even care about what you look like. They're, they're not going to be too busy thinking about their deeds and that they're going to have to stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to worry about what you look like. But this is a characteristic that was found in all of the believing women women that were guaranteed Jannah, women that we read their stories in the Quran right now. Their stories affect us. They are our role models. They embody this. So to just wrap things up, I hope this was beneficial. It was a little bit all over the place, but honestly, I wanted it to be more of a heart to heart. I wanted to speak to all of my sisters out there because Wallahi hijab is one of the most beautiful things I have ever seen. When you wear the hijab, Not only will people know you, like I said, people will just walk up to you randomly and tell you, salamu alaykum, even though they are not Arabi. But the amount of respect, you will get, listen, with hijab, there does come a little bit of criticism. You know, people know that you're Muslim. But trust me, but trust me, it's not to the point where you won't have the power and the strength to combat it. And sometimes you might not have to deal with that. But wearing the hijab is one of the most honorable things in our religion. And when you wear it, for any of those girls out there that want to wear it, trust me, when you wear it, you will fall in love with it. Alhamdulillah, I can't imagine my life right now without the hijab. The fact that I got to choose who who gets to see me. One of my friends, her mom wore the hijab when she was like five or six years old. And I tell her all the time, I am jealous that you wore the hijab so early. Because when I was five and six, even up until when I was in middle school, I wasn't wearing the hijab. People got to see that side of me that a lot of people didn't deserve to see. A lot of bad people didn't deserve to see. But now that I wear the hijab, I get to choose. And trust me, the amount of respect that comes from people who actually have intellect, from people who are not lost in this world, from men who actually have intellect, the amount of respect that you see from them is just immaculate. Just a simple story, one time I was at the gym and I was walking to the bathroom and to walk to the bathrooms, I have to cross by the men's bathroom, just the, 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 the entrance to the men's bathroom. You know, they're right next to each other. And some guy was coming out of the men's bathroom and I slowed down because I saw him, so I didn't want, you know, like I was gonna let him pass and then I was gonna go. He actually stopped, moved back, lowered his head and put his arms down to let me go by. When I tell you I literally felt like a queen, I literally felt like royalty. You know when like when in royalty when they like stop and they like put their hands down? That's what he did to me. I don't know this guy. I he wasn't Arabi. He was American as it comes. But he understood the concept of why I wear the hijab. That this is my beauty, it's not for everyone to see. And the amount of respect that you get, even if you don't get that respect, just the fact that you get Allah's Subhanahu wa ta'ala's respect and that you get Allah's Subhanahu wa ta'ala's love is enough. With that, it's enough. One time someone told me that you're always going to be a stranger. You're either going to be a stranger to the people, or you're going to be a stranger to Allah. You're either going to be a stranger to the people when you wear the hijab, when you wear the abaya, when you wear the jilbab, or you're going to be a stranger to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you wear what society tells you to wear, to wear short and showy and revealing. Who would you rather be a stranger to? To the people or to Allah? Because I'll tell you, you'll never please the people. Everyone has a different preference. You will never fully be able to satisfy every single person. But when you satisfy Allah, when you attain Allah's love, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la, not only does he love you, he calls out to Jibreel and he tells Jibreel, I love this slave, so you love him too. Jibreel tells all of the angels that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la loves this person, you have to love them. And then Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la takes this love and he ascends it onto the people of the earth. So not only when you're turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Are you attaining his love. You're also attaining the love of all the people. Who deserve to love you. What better do you want from that? What what more honor comes with wearing the hijab? What more honor comes with. Having this, this characteristic of haya and modesty. Like the prophets. And the wives of the prophets. And those that were guaranteed paradise. That's their characteristic. Their characteristic is not. Not modesty, not being um, uns- unshy and just being like, you know, frisky and all of that stuff. No, they had modesty, they had shyness, and they are guaranteed paradise. So I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide all of us, those who are not wearing the hijab, to give them the strength and the patience and the ability to wear that and to put the love for the hijab in their heart that when they do wear it, they fall, they fall in love with it. And I ask Allah to guide all of our sisters out there that do wear it, including myself, those of us that do wear it, to keep us strong, to not wear it and take it off. To not wear it and then, you know, like get worse than how we're wearing it, but to only get better, to work up to wearing it like the wives of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi And one more thing right before I end everything off. And like I said, I've talked about, we talked about this a little bit before with Farah in um, the two episodes that I did with her, the one of them was called um, Gems and Jewels in the Sights of Allah. The second one was called um, The Ultimate Love Story. But there's this concept in Islam where every single Muslim woman is treated as a queen. You know in England, it's illegal to touch the Queen of England. It's illegal to touch her. In Islam, your non-mahram, your non-uncle, brother, dad, those who are not allowed to see you without your shib, they're not allowed to touch you. That's the concept that Islam puts. That's the honor that Islam puts. Not that you're a piece of meat. Not that you're an object. That you are a queen. Every single Muslim woman is deemed as a queen in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends this concept to the men and to the believing people to see women as queens as well. But that is basically it for today's episode i hope this was inshallah beneficial and i really really hope that anyone out there who wants to wear the hijab that this kind of shed a little bit more light on the beauty and the the awe that comes with wearing the hijab and trust me when you do wear it inshallah just this feeling that you get and i think if you talk to any single hijabi out there will tell you the same exact thing the hijab is the best thing ever It is a blessing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling us to wear it is one of the biggest blessings in the world. It protects you from so much harm and it hires your personal self-worth not only for yourself but within the eyes of society. But that's it for today. I'll see you guys inshallah on the next episode. Salam.